We've been teaching through a series here entitled Guarding Our Minds and Hearts with God's Peace. In these days that we're in, there's so many things that could trouble us and so many things that do trouble us. Although Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid, we still have anxiety at times, we still have worry, we still struggle um, you know, with, with what we see on the news, what we read in the paper, what we hear in our community, what we hear around the coffee table, you know, uh, in our own living room or at the coffee shop. We, we get nervous, and, and there's things that try to rob us of our peace. And we've been working through in Philippians chapter 4 the recipe for peace or, or how to fortify your mind and your heart with the peace of God, giving you some steps. The first one, if you might remember, in Philippians chapter 4, it tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, rejoice. So first thing is, we, we rejoice in the Lord no matter what the circumstance, and, and we ask the Lord to help us find this, this joy in our hearts that comes only from Him. It's not about circumstances around us, it's about this inner joy that comes from the Lord. And then the next the next. Uh, piece of the recipe, the next spice you might add in there, we might say, we spoke on last week, let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to all men, be known to everyone. Why? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. In other words, His Spirit is here to help us every day to speak well to people, to treat people right, even when people treat us wrong. Remember last week we talked about how sometimes we create our own anxiety. We create the things that we're anxious or worried about by the things we say to people. The way we treat somebody just causes us to be anxious. So we have to be careful and let our gentleness be known to everybody. The Lord is at hand to strengthen us, to help us, to empower us by His Spirit. His Spirit is with us today. And we also remember that the Lord is at hand. The other meaning of that means that the Lord is returning soon and that this life is not all there is. And we go in the peace of the Lord knowing that no matter what we face in this life, it's not forever. Someday we'll be with the Lord. Amen? Such a powerful thing for us to remember. Now, I did mention last week, you might, you might remember towards the end of the sermon, I said a lot of times when you hear a teaching like this, you hear a sermon like this, you'll be tested within that week. You know that, that you'll have an opportunity to treat people gently even when they're not treating you well. I don't know about everybody in this building, but I heard from quite a few of you that said you were sending me texts like on Monday and Tuesday going, Pastor, you were right. I've been tested today. Anybody tested this week on your gentleness and walking in the peace of God? Okay, there were several of us, including myself. If we'll treat people right, we'll find ourselves walking in greater peace. But it doesn't end there. Let's look at some more of this this morning. Out of Philippians chapter 4, the Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Now, how hard is that? That's difficult for me. It's probably difficult for you. But the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God what you need when you lack peace. Tell God what you need when you feel worry and anxious coming on you. And then the Bible says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's what we need to do, church. And you can start following along in your outline right here with us. We just read the anchor verse. But I want us to recognize we are to worry less and to pray more. 
Worry less and pray more. How do we do that? Number one in your outline, let us learn the discipline of turning our worries into prayers. Anytime you start to get worried about something, you know when, that, when your heart starts beating fast or you start feeling that, that kind of anxiousness in your stomach, that butterflies in your stomach, and you're just like, oh, and your mind starts racing? The challenge is that when we start feeling anxious or worried to turn that worry into prayer. What am I worried about? I'm going to pray about it. What am I feeling anxious about? I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer right now. In fact, I put a place at the bottom of your outline today. It's a place for you to list some of those things that you've been anxious or worried about. You might take some time and, and do that throughout this teaching. You won't have to think long about it. You know what you've been anxious about, right? You don't have to sit and ponder it or meditate on it. You know what you've been worried about. But at some point, you might just write that down. And then we're going to give you an opportunity to turn that worry, that anxiety, into prayer. You can do that even as we're teaching. But certainly we'll give you a chance to pray together at the end. See, whenever we start to worry, we need to stop and just begin to pray. If, you, if you're talking with somebody and they, they are worried about something or they start sharing their anxiety, just take a moment and stop and take some time and pray. Turning our worries into prayer. It takes discipline. But we're instructed in James chapter 5 and verse 13. Would you open there in your Bible? James chapter 5 and verse 13. There's some great instruction for us, for the church. For, and the church, of course, is the people of God. And uh, there's some great instruction here in the book of James. As the scripture encourages us in James 5.13, Is anyone among you suffering? That's one translation. Another translation may say, Is anyone among you afflicted? Another translation says, Is any among you troubled? And all of those can tie together, right? The suffering, the affliction, the trouble, the things that cause us anxiety and worry. If any of us are troubled, what does the Bible say to do? Come on, church. What does the Bible tell us to do? Pray. If we're troubled, pray. That's what the Scripture tells us. When anything burdens our spirit, we must ease our mind by prayer. If we want to walk in greater peace, we must become a people of prayer. And, and, and so the Bible's telling you and me to pray for ourselves. If you're troubled, pray. One of the first things we like to do is call somebody or talk to somebody and tell them what we're anxious about or worried about. Sometimes you may not be that way. You might be more of an introvert and just try to work through some things on your own. But oftentimes we want to talk to somebody or complain to somebody or fuss with somebody about what's going on inside of us. But, but the, the Bible tells us if we're troubled... We should pray. If we're anxious, we should pray. If we're, if we're feeling, uh, if we're going through some kind of suffering, whatever it is in life, we are to pray. And so when times and situations are troubling and confusing, as people of God, we pray and seek direction and we seek comfort from the Lord in that time of prayer. In a day or a time of trouble, there is nothing more sensible than praying. I'm not going to ask you this morning to raise your hand, but I do want you to really consider your prayer life today. Do you pray? Do you really pray? When you get anxious, when you start feeling worry come on you, are you spending time in prayer? There's nothing more sensible than praying in our time of trouble. 
Times of affliction, in fact, should be praying times. Times of trouble in your life should be a time when you can look at your life and see when you prayed more during that time than any other time perhaps in your life. James says you pray. If you're feeling troubled, pray. Pray about it. You don't have to go get a friend to pray with you, although you can. You don't have to call on the church to pray for you necessarily about trouble in your mind and in your heart, although you can, and we're glad to pray with you. But the Bible says the first thing we should do is you should pray for yourself. If you're troubled, pray. And you can pray. The good news is you can access the throne of heaven. You can access God the Father anytime, any place that you start feeling anxious or troubled. In your car, you can pray. In your home, you can pray. And walking down the, the, the road, you can pray. Sitting in a restaurant, you can pray. At school, you can pray. At work, you can pray. You can pray. We have access to Father God because of Jesus Christ, and so we can pray. Now, you say, well, I know this, Pastor. I know to pray. Can I tell you what the greatest gap in the world is? Some of you may know this. The greatest gap in the world is what I know I should do and the gap between actually doing it. I know I should eat better, but are you? I know I should exercise more, but are you? Right. The greatest gap in the world is what I know I should do but it's between what I know I should do and actually doing it. I know when I'm troubled I should pray, but the question becomes, are you? Are you praying? Are you praying about the things that are troubling you in your life? It's easy to complain. It's easy to just be upset over whatever's going on, but are we praying? The peace comes through prayer. Peace in your life, peace in your mind will come into your life in greater measures as you pray. You see, it's necessary to exercise faith and hope in times of trouble. We must have faith and hope in troubling times. And the reality is those things, faith and hope, are increased in our life as we pray and as we get into the Word of God. Can I tell you, some of us are real good at sitting on the couch and turning on the news. And it just leads to anxiety and frustration and worry. More of us need to, to get on our knees and get into the Word and spend some time in prayer, and we'll live in greater peace and less anxiety. It's true. Try it. Try it. This week, just, just try a little more prayer in your life. Sometimes I, I believe, in fact, God may allow difficult times in our life to bring us to Himself through prayer to bring us to a place where we're calling on him and spending more time in his presence did you know jesus taught us by his own example what to do when we're troubled by his own example jesus taught us when we're troubled we should pray in fact look there in in the scriptures matthew chapter 26 verse 36 through 44 go ahead and open your bible there if you would Jesus taught us when you're troubled what you should do. The Bible says, and this is before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, his betrayal was at hand. He had already been betrayed in secretly, but now it was beginning to come public, and they were coming to take Jesus away. The Bible tells us in Matthew 26, verse 36, look with me. The Bible says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He took his disciples with him. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. His soul is troubled. He's sorrowful, as you'll see in just a moment. And he tells his disciples, you stay here. I'm going to pray. 
and take him with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. Peter, James, and John went a little further into the garden with him. The Bible says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. What are we to do when we're feeling sorrow? What are we to do when we're feeling troubled in our heart, in our spirit, in our mind? The Bible says, Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face, and Jesus prayed. In times of trouble, Jesus taught us to pray. When he was troubled, he prayed, and he prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, Jesus went away, his soul being troubled, being in a place of sorrow. And the Bible says he prayed twice. He went into the garden to pray, further into the garden. And this time he prays, My father, if this cup cannot, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, the disciples, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away, we would say a third time, he went away again and prayed, saying these same words. Jesus taught us what to do in times of trouble. Pray. If you're troubled, James says, pray. If you're feeling anxious, pray. If you're worried about something, pray. Jesus taught us when you're troubled, find a place and spend time in prayer. Can I tell you, the disciples also taught us that. That's point number two in your outline. Jesus and his disciples taught us to pray in times of trouble. Jesus, by his own example, and then what we see. Remember, we were talking over the last few weeks about Paul and Silas when they were thrown in jail in Acts chapter 26. Remember that? Acts chapter 26. The Bible tells us that, that Paul and Silas were, were beaten. They, they were um, stripped of their clothing. They were cast into the innermost prison. Acts chapter 26, you can read it there. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16, you can read it there. So they're, they're cast into the innermost prison. And in the midnight hour, we talked a few weeks ago when we taught on rejoicing. Remember, they, 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 were, they were singing praise at the midnight hour. And, and God you know, opened the gates of the prison. The stocks fell off of them. And they could have been free. It was an opportunity for the gospel to be presented to the jailer. The jailer was, came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord. His family did. They were baptized. I mean, it was a powerful moment. I'm not going to read all of that again in Acts chapter 16, but I do want you to notice something. The Bible says, and we taught on the rejoicing and the singing, but also notice this, Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them see they didn't just sing praises they prayed Paul, Jesus prayed in times of trouble Paul and Silas prayed in their time of trouble in their time of need oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. We forfeit so much peace when we neglect prayer 
in our life. Paul and Silas prayed in the midnight hour. They prayed to God for support, no doubt. They prayed to God for comfort in their time of trouble, their time of affliction. And the other prisoners are listening to them pray and listening to them praise. Can I tell you, this was not an hour of structured prayer for Paul and Silas. This was at midnight. This, this, these prayers were not at a house of prayer. They, they were praying in a dungeon. And yet God, the Father, heard their prayer. And can I tell you so, as in our darkness, because we go through dark times, we go through troubling dark times, and so we also, just like Paul and Silas, can cry out to God, the Father, in the midst of our darkest hour and find peace for our troubled soul. No matter what the trouble, no matter how severe of whatever we're going through, friends, let us learn to pray. To really pray. For it is through prayer that we obtain God's peace for our heart and for our mind. You know, there was a, a hymn written in 1845. This is as far back as, as it's noted anyway. In 1845, the New York Observer actually recorded the words of these songs, printed the words of the song on the hymn. And, and, and maybe you recognize the song is called Sweet Hour of Prayer. Now, I'm not going to sing all of it, but I love the first verse. I want you to see it. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and invites me to my Father's throne to make all my wants and wishes known. Isn't that beautiful? The, the hour of prayer that we have that invites us to the Father's throne and to talk to God about what is troubling us. Can I tell you, we, we give opportunities here constantly at the end of every teaching. It is instructed to every one of our teachers and preachers of the word. At the end of one of our teachings, we open up the altar for a time of prayer. Please take advantage of that. I know you can pray at your seat, understood. I know you can pray in your car, as we've already stated. I know that, but don't miss an opportunity for a moment of prayer together with the body of Christ. And when something is troubling you and you're, you're anxious and worried, I know it takes some courage sometimes to step out from where you are and to kneel here at the front. You don't have to do that. God can meet you where you are. But there's something special about humbling yourself and coming forward and just talking with the Father for just a few moments. You see, when I think about this song, this, this hymn, it's actually some great mysteries around it. I've got this book of hymns, and it tells the history of them. It's really mysterious about who the author really is and, and when it was written and so on and so forth. I'm talking about the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. But can I tell you there's a greater mystery, maybe even a deeper mystery connected with this song. How many's ever heard the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? Yeah, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up singing it, right? Sweet Hour of Prayer. Can I tell you one of the greatest mysteries is not who wrote it. One of the greatest mysteries is not when it actually came out and was made known to the public. One of the greatest, deepest mysteries that is connected with the, word, with the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, is the question... Jesus asked Simon Peter, as we just read in the Gospel of Matthew in Gethsemane, he said, could you not watch with me? Could you not pray with me just one hour? Can I ask you this this morning? If an hour spent with the Lord is so sweet, then why do we race through our day without prayer? 
If we really believe that time spent in prayer is sweet, time spent in the presence of God is sweet, why do we go through our days without prayer? And then we try to squeeze all of our requests into a two-minute prayer at bedtime. We try to make all our petitions known to God in just a short moment if we really believe that there's sweetness in the presence of God and that, that He turns our worry to peace as we pray and call on Him. We will find ourselves desiring to be in His presence through prayer more often. If prayer is so powerful, why do we neglect it so consistently? Here on Wednesday nights at 6.30, we have prayer every Wednesday night here at the church at 6.30. Come join us. Pray with us. It's a great time in the middle of your week. We have people just sit in the back the lights are dim. Some people are laying on the floor. Some people are laying on a pew or they're kneeling at the... You can just walk around and pray whatever you're comfortable with, but join us. Some of you are calling us for prayer in the middle of the week, and we're here to pray with you, but often I'll say, join us for prayer on Wednesday night. It's an opportunity for you to pray and us to pray with you and others to join you in prayer. But most importantly, you can pray for yourself wherever you are. I appreciate what Evan said this morning before our last song. We want to create a culture here at Bethesda. Anytime you need to pray, this altar is open. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We're singing a song and your heart's compelled to pray. Come pray. You need a place to pray through the week. Anytime the office is open, you can call us, come in. We'll open the sanctuary. We actually have a prayer room halfway down the hall. Beautiful prayer room. You can just sit in there and pray. Spend time with the Lord. Drop your kids off at school or at daycare or whatever in your busyness of the day. And then join together. Come by yourself, whatever you need to do, and spend some time here and pray. You see, when we think about all of these things, Jesus and his disciples teaching us to pray in times of trouble, we actually have to recognize the bigger picture here, okay? There's a, there's a bigger picture in all of this. The bigger picture is that Jesus modeled and instructed disciples to pray to the Father in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. I hope that you can zoom back right here and see the bigger picture, okay? Let's look at the bigger picture. Matthew 6 and 10. Your kingdom come. Jesus says this is what you're taught to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Do you see how Jesus modeled that? We see that in Matthew 6 and 10 that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we do that and some call it the Lord's Prayer, right? We call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's our prayer. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, you do it this way. Pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, what Jesus modeled and what the disciples were instructed to do when they pray, Jesus modeled in Matthew, as we read, to pray, thy will be done. To pray, Lord, not Father, not what I want, but what you want. Notice Jesus in the garden as he's praying there. He says, Father, if there's any other way, if, if this cup can pass from me, then please let it pass from me. But he says, not what I want. He's praying out of that human, that human nature that doesn't want to go through trial and testing and struggle. 
And he says, if there's any other way, how many times have we gone through difficulties? We've been worried. We've been afraid. We've been stressed. We've got stuff on our mind. Can I show you the bigger picture is that we should be praying, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. In fact, that's number three in your outline. Would you just look at that there in your outline as we pray, thy will be done in times of trouble. It affirms our trust in God the Father. And what are we affirming? That, Lord, we trust you. That our trials might be used to further the gospel. That's what Jesus was praying. That's what the disciples were praying. You see, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew that, that this was going to open the door for salvation of all of mankind. And yet in the human part of him, there was a battle. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. Paul and Silas in prison, beaten, stripped. And at the midnight hour in the inner dungeon, they prayed Maybe they were praying for those who beat them. Maybe they were praying for the jailer himself. Maybe they were praying for other prisoners, but they recognized the bigger picture was it wasn't all about them and what they were going through, but it was so the gospel could be propelled or advanced throughout the earth. And when the earth shook and all the prison doors flew open and the jailer came down without light and he's looking, trying to see if all the prisoners are there. And he says, somebody bring me a light so I can count all the prisoners. And Paul and Silas say, don't worry. We're all right here. And they took the light of the world, Jesus Christ, to the jailer. He became a follower of Christ, he and all of his household. See, the bigger picture, it's not about you and what's going on with you and what you're worried and stressed about. The bigger picture is how will the kingdom of heaven be advanced because of what we're going through. It takes a different perspective. How will God be glorified through what we're walking through? I want you to stand with me this morning, would you? Don't allow the things that try to rob us of our peace get us off focus of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is how will the gospel be advanced? How will he be glorified through what you're going through today? I remember before my son Chandler had his major back surgery at 14 years old. The same day he found out he had to have the surgery, the same day he drew for his first bull elk and they told him they would not, he would not be able to go hunting that year. And it just was devastating. I'll never forget walking into the, the room there with Chandler and he was mad. He was so mad at 14. He was laying on his bed and he was crying and he was just angry. And he said, Dad, why doesn't God heal me? God could heal me of this. God could do this. Why doesn't God just heal me? I don't understand. And I said, son, I don't understand either. And through my tears there with my son, I said, I don't understand. But I know this. I know that how we walk through this matters. And if God has us go ahead and, and go through with the surgery, if God doesn't heal you, then we, we have to make a decision right now today that we will glorify God no matter what we walk through. God will get all the glory because it's not about us, it's about Him. And I said, son, if God chooses to heal you, we have to already determine in our heart it, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise will go to, to our Father in heaven. No matter what, how this turns out, no matter how God chooses to walk us through it, we must be determined. We must be intentional that God gets all the glory. My prayer for you this morning, friend, is if you're troubled, if something's going on in your spirit that's troubling you, I'm inviting you to pray with us this morning. If you don't know 
Jesus, if you've never received Christ, you never turned from sin and disobedience to God and repented of sin and unrighteousness in your life, I challenge you to, to turn from sin and trust in Christ today. He's able. He's able as you pray. He will forgive you. He'll set your life on a different course. He will be glorified in your life.